Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on In-Flight Snack, Bilal recapped his trip to Las Vegas for Super Bowl week and Radio Row and all that fun stuff. And then we talked about the game. Is Patrick Mahomes just inevitable? Is he the most incredible quarterback ever that we've ever seen? He might be. He still has a ways to go to catch Tom Brady. Plus, what does this mean for the Jets? Of course, a former Jet catches the game-winning touchdown, and as he does, the Jets announce that they will have new uniforms for next year. Well, at least we won't have to see the god-awful uniforms anymore, but are the Jets going to have any chance at competing next year? We talked about that and a whole lot more next on In-Flight Snack. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. And again, Bet Online, the game starts here. Yo, it's Quinn Wins here, and you listen to In Flight Snack on the Believe Podcast Network. Let's make sure we play like the New York Jets. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Welcome back to In Flight Snack, a New York Jets podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Rami Lavi, and across from me is Bilal Powell. And welcome back from Las Vegas, where you were there for Super Bowl week. And that's what I want to start with, because I got nothing to say. You were out there. I heard it was crazy. I heard it was NFL royalty. From what it sounded like on the morning show that I was listening to, that WFN was out there. It's like, oh, and here comes... Uh, Roger Goodell. Oh, and there's Jerry Rice. And every day it was just another running into another NFL football royalty. Is that what it was really like out there? What was it like? I know when I called you, you were like, yo, I don't got time for you, man. I'm in Vegas with every NFL star in the world. It's Super Bowl week. Uh, I'll talk to you next week. So how was it? Tell me about it. Uh, yeah, just recap what happened, what went down in Vegas. Honestly, I think it's the perfect Super Bowl city, period. The setup, everything, it's set up for the success of the Super Bowl. But not only did you see all the athletes and former players and uh, NFL representatives, you saw celebrities, you saw everyone. And it was crazy. I mean, just, I don't know why I didn't think that the win was like the hottest hotel in Vegas. But when I went to win, I saw everybody, literally. 
Ocho Cinco racing in the middle of uh, he was racing a kid in the middle of uh, the casino with a cigar in his hand. I'm like, you know, you just run to Jermaine Dupri walk by. And, you know, sometimes when you see celebrities walk by, you you kind of don't think it's them. And then you like, I think that was Jermaine Dupri. Not sure. He was kind of short. So, I mean, it was just good seeing people. That was my uh, that was my first Super Bowl since 2020 down in Miami. It was the same two teams. Um, but I, I think that this one definitely by far was the best one. And you love Miami, so that's saying something. But yeah, the wind, that's where they did their show out of that Blue Wire studio in the wind. I don't know if you got to see it. Um, that's where the morning show did their show out of. So uh they said it, yeah. Everyone, you're just walking by. And there's they said at one point, um, they're like Saquon Barkley was just walking by and no one even stopped him because he was like the 50th most famous person in the room at that time. Did you hear Ocho Cinco? Because he mentioned him. He was saying on his podcast, he's like, I don't want to spend money on the hotels. He's like, I'm sleeping in my car in Vegas. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did, but I I, I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. Yeah, I highly doubt it also. Somebody was somebody was paying for him to sleep in a hotel because Dude, that guy, that podcast, I don't know if you listen, him and Shannon Sharp, that is the most entertaining podcast. And I don't want to get too off the rails here with our show because we don't do a show exactly like them. But this is the type of thing that they would talk about on their show. So I'll just throw it out there for a second. When I woke up this morning, I'm going to be honest, and this is a little inside my head, and I have to say it because otherwise, I don't know, something's going to happen. I need to take a dump so bad, but I'm so constipated that if I don't, that I didn't want to drink a coffee because I knew it would come spilling out of me and we had to do the show. So I don't know how long this show is going to last, but as long as it lasts, that's just, you know, I feel like I had to throw that out there. So uh, you mentioned Ocho Cinco, so it's really your fault. Now, did you stay for the game itself or did you uh, book out of there before the game started? No, I got out. I, I, I didn't want to go to the game or stay around. I mean, honestly, the traffic, it was good up until Friday, Saturday. And it was just like usually the Uber rides that take five minutes or an hour and a half. Oh, God. The wait time for like a taxi was like two hours. And, you know, we pretty much got caught at the Cosmo uh, Hotel. And we ended up saying, I seen Chris Johnson. And I looked at Chris. I was like, he was, I was like, what you doing tonight, man? You know, CJ2K. You know? Yeah, of course. 2000. Um, he was like, man, listen, we just got from Found Blue. And you guys overlap on the Jets? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you yeah. guys know each other. Yeah. I saw I, I saw him a couple times out there, but he was like, man, wherever you got to get to, you need to go like two hours ahead because it just took us an hour and a half. I'm like, and then, you know, my wife wanted to go to Found Blue and we sat in the taxi line. I was like, I'm not doing this. It's still cold. For those who don't know, going out to Vegas, January, February, it is cold. And especially at nighttime. So I'm sitting there like, I'm not sitting out here waiting for a taxi. I mean, it's 50 people in front of us and there's not one taxi in the taxi line. So that means that they're caught in traffic out on the main strip and they're not going to get here. And if it is, it's one at a time. I'm not doing it. We just have to stay here. So we ended up staying there and then ran into Gary V. Gary V was there. His 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 event was at the Cosmo. So we ended up going up there, wasting some time. Uh, I wouldn't say wasting time. We was networking. There was a lot of people in there. Um, for a, a very small spot, you were rubbing elbows with some 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 big time people. But it was just crazy, bro. The traffic. I'm like, I, I understand it's a Super Bowl. I thought Miami was bad. This was worse. This was worse than Miami. Yeah, but I saw it was still fun though. You know. Yeah, you walk, I imagine you can, you can get to one hotel walking through. So it's not That's bad. Everything was walking distance. 
that's the thing about Vegas. That's what I was going to say. So I'm assuming the streets were crowded too, but everything is technically walking ba- walking distance. And I think I was listening to the guys. They were saying that they walked to the Super Bowl because they knew how crazy it was going to be. So they decided to just, we'll walk to the, now obviously Boomer had a car pick him up for CBS and whatever, and they showed it on TV. But for the rest of his crew that wasn't on TV during the game, uh, they they walked there because that's that's what made sense. Um, you mentioned obviously Gary V. So did you did you request to have him on the show? We had his brother, obviously. So I saw he went on with Boomer and Greg in the morning. So how, did that come up? Like, come on, man. No, no, man. Listen, I if if you know me personally, Rami, I, I'm the guy that I try to leave business out of it when when it's a personal invite and just try to enjoy the the friendship side of it. But uh, no, but I'm I'm sure if I reach out to G, he'll he'll definitely come on the show. Um, especially if I tell him that you know AJ was on the show early on. One of our first guests, I think, right? Was he our first guest? I don't know if he was AJ? our first. He was one of the first. Yeah, one of the first. Early Not the first. On, one you know, of the first. Yeah, one of, one of the first. So I, I'm I'm assuming he would come on with no problem. Especially if we say, hey, get on here, let's talk Jets. He'd be more than happy to do that for us, man. Yeah, um, and then I was going to ask also because I got a few texts. You were on Radio Row, and I got some texts from some people that I knew, and they're like, "Oh, Blah was awesome. He came on the show. He stopped by, and you told me you had just interview after interview lined up. So, what was Radio Row like for you, going over and just talking sports? What were you talking about? Were people asking you Jets questions, Super Bowl questions, all that stuff? What was going? What was that like for you? It was it was fun, man. It was a good experience. Uh, and what I did was instead of doing like two days of interviews, you know, because I want to enjoy my time. I'm like, listen, let me just get up early in the morning. Let me knock these out like back to back to back to back. Worst decision I ever did because I was drained. <laughs> <I'm> t- <laughs> you know, and and not only were you know was I um, going to the the ones that I was scheduled for, it was people pulling me aside like. Hey, blah, you got five minutes, you got 10 minutes. I'm like, I got 20. It was like, oh, it'll take five. So then I found myself doing interviews in between the times that I was supposed to do other interviews. But it was a good experience for me, man. It was it was a lot of topics touched and you know, questions asked about uh the the state of the New York Jets, the you know, Aaron Rodgers, Zach Wilson. Did I hear about what Woody said about Zach Wilson not being a good backup quarterback? And you know, I was like, oh, me and my co-host, we we talked about that. But, you know, that's, a, you know, um, obviously the prediction of, you know, San Francisco, Kansas City and what I thought about each roster, my experience in Vegas, my Super Bowl experience as a player and now being a former player and, you know, just some fun questions and some serious things. And, you know, obviously the, uh, the evolution of uh, – like I guess the not evolution. I would say like how the the league has evolved um, over the you know past decade and all these. It was from fun questions and nothing serious, nothing that you know I put my foot in my mouth. So it was good. That's fun. Uh, did you gamble while you were out there? I'm sure you did a little bit. I didn't gamble. No, you I did didn't not. gamble. No, I didn't. No, listen. That was the first time I've ever been to Vegas, and I didn't gamble one time. Like not even you know. Dropping five dollars on a roulette table, like it was literally, you know, I got to be here, had to be here. The traffic was crazy. It was no time in between, really, to like gamble. And strictly the time football. that I had for it was strictly football, and you know, the opportunities that were set up for me out there, and you know, pretty much networking. And I mean, 
First time I ever did it though. So I I I, I defeated Vegas. Oh, look at that. You came back, you came back with no stories to tell. Um, (laughs) what was your prediction for the game? I know we didn't talk much before the game. So what was, uh, what were you thinking when you were going on those shows? What were you, what were you thinking going into that game? Well, my, my, my final score prediction was 23, 20 Kansas city. Hey, Uh, you're off by three points, two points, three points. Yeah. And so I, I, I called it and you know, everyone that asked me about, the game and I was like, listen, you can't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Like he's a winner. He finds a way to win. Like the things that he's doing with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey reminds me a lot of the New England Patriots. And we 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 saw what they did over a decade. Uh I mean over two decades, I would say, over two decades, how they dominated a conference, dominated a division, dominated the league. You're seeing that now. And you know, Andy Reid is of you know, up to eight. So we don't know how long he will stay around as a head coach. But as of right now, they're the modern day New England Patriots. And honestly, if you look at it statistically, number wise, they're a lot better. Patrick Mahomes is a lot better than what Tom Brady was. So I, I think he's on that path to be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. Yeah, and that's what's special about this is he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever already, and I would never bet against him. When he was an underdog three weeks in a row, he was an underdog against Buffalo. I took Mahomes. When he was an underdog in Baltimore, I took Mahomes. When he was an underdog in the Super Bowl, I took Mahomes again. I made money all three weeks. I was happy about it. And at some point also, he's starting to have that magic where fourth down, he makes just an incredible run, right? And it starts to feel like it's inevitable. That's the thing. When you're the team against him, you're like, you don't know what to do. You start panicking because you feel like whatever happens, he's just going to find a way. You know, Michael Jordan always said he never lost a game. He just ran out of time. Well, Holmes doesn't run out of time. Keith McPherson keeps saying that on the fan, so I stole his line. But, like, he doesn't run out of time. The dude just, if there's enough time in the game, he's going to come back. And there's so many things, like the big fourth downs. This is where it's like all of a sudden it's like you think it's luck, but this is just like it only happens for Mahomes, like the Greenlaw injury. It's awful. It's terrible. But that only happens against Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. A punt hitting a guy in the back of the foot, like how rare is that? It only happens for Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. A missed extra point. The game going to overtime and Kyle Shanahan taking the ball first. All these things that happen. And I think the GOAT conversation is stupid because what makes Tom Brady so special is he did it for 20 years, right? And he won seven Super Bowls, which is ridiculous. But when you look at Mahomes today, already a couple of things. First of all, just appreciate the greatness for the people who are like, oh my God, we hate the dynasty. I think it's the most likable dynasty ever, more likable than the Patriots ever were because you could just sit back and appreciate just how great they are. The second thing is like, what this guy has done in this short period of time, he was the highest cap hit on the team this year, on the Chiefs. We always talk about how guys, when the quarterback's the highest cap hit, you can't win because you can't put a good enough team around them, right? Brady always took less money so that they could put a good team around him. Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback that is the highest cap hit to win a Super Bowl. And guess what? They had receivers. They led the NFL in drops this year, the receivers. They didn't have a single thousand yard receiver this year. Their offensive line led the NFL in penalties. We took everything away and yet they still won the Super Bowl. A couple other stats to throw out to throw out at you. But listen, to, yeah, to, to, to say something about what you just said about the the statistics of guys dropping balls and all these things. 
And everybody's saying, well, you can't play against Kansas City and the refs. Like, listen to what you're saying. Like, those are things that are out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. hands yeah. And yet he still finds a way to win. Like, exactly the guys are winning. Point. Like, Andy Reid found a way to everything. win. Yeah. And and that's what you want as a winner. Like I know Cam Newton mentioned Brock Purdy and and, and everyone's been in topic of talking about Brock Purdy being a, a game changer, game manager. You have game changer, game manager, and then you just have Patrick Mahomes right now, a game winner. Like he's a winner, like no matter who he's going up against. We've seen him go up against Josh Allen. We see him go up against Lamar in this Brock Purdy guy. Like so it's it's one of those things where you can't take nothing away from what he's doing, what what that young man is doing for you know, and, and he's a mid to late rounder, third round, right? Yeah, third round. Who, Mahomes? Mahomes, third round. No, he was the tenth overall Second. pick. Tenth. Oh, he was well. the third quarterback taken because third, quarter, they took third quarterback Watson, taken. Yeah. and yeah. they took Mitch Trubisky ahead of him. So you know, for me, I'm looking at this like, wow, like who would have ever thought that this kid out of Texas Tech would be who he is? Like it, you never know. You know, no one didn't know that Brock Purdy was going to be who he is, but this guy's a winner, man. So, you know, they need the the next Madden that comes out, whatever, you know, the little tags, and game changer, explosive. They need yeah. a game one, and, and, and that needs to be Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's crazy. They have a cover from a couple of years ago, right? It's Brady on the Bucks and Mahomes on the Chiefs. There was like a dual cover that they did, which is crazy because that cover is going to be one of the most legendary covers ever. It's going to go down as that. Um but just a couple more stats from Mahomes. He now ties Tom Brady with the most game-winning touchdowns in the fourth quarter and overtime or overtime in the postseason with six. So he's 28 years old. He's already tied Tom Brady with game-winning or overtime, uh, game-winning touchdowns in overtime or the fourth quarter. And this one's crazy because you talk about winning. Since 2019, it's not been easy for them. In games that they're down 10 plus points at any point in the game since 2019. The Chiefs are five and one, which means he always finds a way when they're down. This is when they're down 10 plus points. He's five and one. Every other team in that span in the league combined is six and 48. Like not even close. And he's five and one. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do in a short time in his career. He's so special. And yes, he's on the trajectory to be better than Tom Brady. And it's crazy to say that. But what he's done so far in his career, it's just, it's the most special thing I've ever witnessed. And you never count him out. When he threw the interception to start the third quarter, I was like, all right, he just doesn't have it today. I was like, I asked on Twitter, I was like, is this guy, like what happened? He got hit hard in the first half. Maybe he had a concussion, something like you're wondering what's wrong with him. And then you just gave him enough time. You give him enough time. He's going to find a way. You give him a mistake, a muff punt, whatever it is, he's going to find a way. And of course he did. And he wins another Super Bowl. And it was like never a doubt. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And like I told you, there's four phases to this game. Like obviously there were good game plans on both sides of the ball defensively to to hold both teams to what 13 points in the first half. So, you know, I look at that like wow, that defensive game plan on both sides of the ball was great. But then there's that adjustment at halftime. And yet it still wasn't touchdown after touchdown. But you saw these offenses start to move the ball. They started to recognize and, and, and see what the defense was giving them. And at the in due time, you saw Kansas City understand what looks that they were going to get and then go out and execute. You saw Patrick Mahomes on that fourth down take that ball. That was an RPO. That was give the run, 
the defensive end, he crashed down on the running back. He pulled and he had an, a, a flat route, which is a receiver running to the sideline. And if a guy runs with him, he keeps the ball. If the guy attacks the quarterback, he throws it out. So to me, that that was just like, okay, we know what looks we're going to get. Andy Reid just found a way to make the, the right call. And the biggest and, and call of the game, he puts the ball in Mahomes' hands and says, you make the decision, right? An RPO where it's mm -hmm. like, hey, I have these three options here. And you're trusting that Patrick Mahomes is going to make the right decision. And he always does. Yes, yeah, He does. And that's just who he is. You have to give him credit. You know, yep. it, hopefully, hopefully in the next year or two, we can find that quarterback in New York that can have us on these, this high horse for, you know, 10 plus years or so. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. I don't know if we'll ever find that guy, but we'll get to that in a second. But first, let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about San Francisco because you mentioned Brock Purdy. I think if you if Brock Purdy wasn't a, wasn't Mr. Irrelevant, if he wasn't a seventh-round pick, we'd be talking about him like one of the great quarterbacks. Who goes to an NFC Championship game in their rookie year and then a Super Bowl in their second year and we don't talk about them the same way? The conversation around Brock Purdy, I thought he played a great game. I thought like... If you're not going against Patrick Mahomes, he probably wins that game. So there is there anything you thought Purdy could have done better? Like he played really well. He did play well. Uh, and I've been I've been backing Brock Purdy now for about a month, just listening to you what have been, people. Yeah. I, you know, he's a I told you, I just think he's in a different era of quarterbacks right now where he doesn't fit what we are seeing from all these franchise quarterbacks that we're seeing, these dual threat or these guys that, you know, are extending plays with their legs and, and they can do it on the ground. But I, I thought Brock Purdy played well versus Kansas City. And, you know, it yep. was, like you said, it's just one of those things where he wasn't an early round. His name doesn't ring a bell yet. But if he continue to do what he's doing, I think he'll be one of those top quarterbacks in the league. At what point? Being mentioned every year. Yep. At what point does Kyle Shanahan's record of him blowing leads in so many of these big games? Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator for the 28 to 3 game when obviously with the Falcons against the Patriots. He was also last time he was in the Super Bowl, he blew the lead, of course, to Patrick Mahomes. And now this time he blows how many leads, right? He's up 10 and then he's up four and then he's up three and he keeps blowing the lead again and again. At some point, does that just follow him forever until he breaks it? Like, is that at some point it's not even on him, right? Like, how do you look at that? Um, there's there's a lot of factors that play in it, and you know, one being, hey, listen, at the end of the day, you, you had a you had a block field goal, you could have been a Super Bowl champion, but you had a block field goal, something that's out of your control. You had a muff punt, um, in the third quarter that gave the Kansas City Chiefs the ball in the red zone. <laughs> like, those are the things, you know, those are the breaks that you need playing against a team like Kansas City that, you know, Kyle Shanahan is, is definitely out of his control. But like you said, it's, at, at what point does he have to look in the mirror and and say, okay, this was on me, and let's stop moving everything else around me. We saw a couple coaches are leaving now. Um, you, you got Anthony Lynn who's going to the commanders. Um, you got uh, Tap, who is going to the Commanders, and then you fired Steve Wilkes, and yet, you know, Kyle Shanahan is the piece that's still in the building. But um, I don't know, man. I, I, I just – some coaches just can't find that, that, that niche, just like a player. You know, sometimes you just can't turn that corner. It's interesting you mentioned Steve Wilkes because – 
I don't think he got fired for the Super Bowl. Like the Super Bowl, you held Patrick Mahomes down for three quarters of that game, right? I think the games before, though, and the playoff games prior to that Super Bowl, the defense did not look the same. And so it was like, well, if we win the Super Bowl, we're going to move on. Is that like, does that make sense? I, I don't think it makes sense. If that's the case, then you have to prepare a man to, you know, walk away from a job and give him an opportunity to go on to another another job. Like to fire him now is like, okay, where am I going? Type of thing. Like, you know, you give a you give a guy a heads up. Uh, maybe he did have a heads up, but it was just too. I don't know, man. That was like obvious. Like, and 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 then you talk, you hear Nick Bosa come out saying that. He don't think they were ready for Kansas City's offense. I'm like, how is that so? When y'all held them to three points in the first half. Three points into the, yeah. the first half. We're talking about Kansas City. Three points in the yep. first half. You had them, they had nine points or six points in the third quarter. The, uh, going into the, the end of the third quarter, three minutes left into the third quarter, it was six points. So how can you say that the game plan was not set up for you guys to be successful. Like if it'd be a totally different conversation and if, if that field goal wasn't blocked, I don't even think Steve Wooks get fired. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think he gets fired because them losing that game, put all the pressure on Kyle Shanahan. And we know the connection with Mike Shanahan, his son, I mean, his dad, you know, you got John Lynch, all right, you got John Lynch, you got Greasy, you got Anthony Lynn, you got McCraft. All these guys are connected to Mike Shanahan. So I, I just think that for for some reason that they don't want to move that piece. There's, there's some loyalty there, and, you know, you have to find some excuse to move pieces and to make it feel like, oh, we're going into a certain direction. What direction are you going in? You just went – last year you went to the NFC Championship – this year, you, you you lose to a very good Kansas City football team. You should have won the regulation by one point. What direction are you trying to go in? Like, if that's the direction, if you're going in a different direction that's going to make you more successful than that, can you please go sit with uh, New York in their front office and, and kind of give them the, <laughs> the rundown of the direction that you guys are going? Because I'm like, listen, you, 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 you're talking about a guy who came in who, one, should have been a head coach for the Carolina Panthers. He should have yeah. been after his intern. It should have been. We saw what he did for them. His 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 short term there as an intern should have been a head coach. He comes in for you guys one year. Your top ten defense, top ten, number one in interceptions, top ten defense. So there's 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 some there's some story, some back into it. You know, players, I think not getting their way. I'm gonna be honest, and I talked to you about this before. Players haven't say so. Certain guys haven't yep. say so. And maybe maybe there's some kind of relationship that ain't being hashed out. And I think Nick Bosa has a lot to do with the firing of Steve Wilkes. I do. I honestly believe so. With him making his comments, the loss, and, and trying to save Kyle Shanahan, it, it was either Steve Wilkes or Kyle Shanahan, right? And I think they made it clear that it, was, it has to be Steve Wilkes. Yeah, and it's crazy because, like you said, a muff punt and a missed extra point, those are not on the defensive coordinator, but you need a scapegoat in a game like that. And so you fire the guy who, hey, we had this lead. You blew the lead. So that's kind of how you made it look. Now, 
Um, on the other side, real quick, I want to get into this, and then I have one more question about the Super Bowl for you. But the Travis Kelsey versus Andy Reid stuff, him pushing him, uh, you know, Kelsey talked about it. He said, I was wrong for it, obviously, but we're both fired up in the heat of the game. I think it gets more talked about if the Chiefs lose the game, but they win the game ultimately. What was your take on that? Honestly, I think you need a microphone down there because, you know, body language and and, and just seeing things from afar can be misunderstood. Obviously, there is a lot of emotions in this game, especially a game like this. And I'm, I'm sure he, he was just like, hey, coach, I need the ball. I want the ball because he wasn't involved in the in – the, in, in the game early on, but we, I'm sure Andy Reid had some kind of, it, it was something, Andy Reid wasn't doing it maliciously. I think he was, it was part of the game plan because Baltimore allowed Travis Kelsey to catch 11 catches on 11 targets. And I'm sure San Francisco all week was saying, we're going to do what we have to do to make sure that this guy don't beat us. We're not going to look like the Ravens. And Andy Reid probably understood the mission going in, the assignment going into this game, knowing that I yep. have to find a way to get guys around Travis hot and, and involved so that way that uh, the 49ers can take their attention off of Travis and then we can get him involved. He left the game nine targets, eight catches. Yeah, no. Nine and targets, the eight half, catches. The first half he had one yard and then he has 90 yards in the second half. And a big part of that also is Greenlaw goes out, right? And now you have another linebacker who can't defend him. Obviously, they, mm -hmm. they try and put as much as possible. They try and put Fred Warner on him, but mm -hmm. that's a big that's a big loss. But the play that he's arguing with Kelsey with Reed on, Kelsey comes over to him because he was upset that he wasn't, he wasn't in the it. Game. It was the fumble. It was the fumble. So yeah, I was, was going to ask you about that. So both running backs, obviously McCaffrey and Pacheco, great running backs, and they fumble in a big spot uncharacteristically in the Super Bowl. Where does that come from? Um, it's just it happens, man. It's, it's football, and, and and honestly, I would say this: Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid probably have a a relationship that no one understands. No one understands, and that is exactly I'm sure Taylor why we saw understands it. Probably, yeah. right? Probably, yeah. But I, I think that's why we're overreacting, and they're not because they they have an understanding of their relationship. I think. There's no issue between those guys, and there, and there never will be, because if there was, they wouldn't be together as long as they've been together in Kansas City. That is what you call a, a real relationship, a, a, a relationship that's going to last when Andy Reid retires and when Travis Kelsey retires. Those are the type of emotions that you see between guys that have a certain relationship on a, on a level that we don't understand looking outside and looking in. We, we can only assume of what's been said or what's been... We don't know. He could have been like, Coach, let's go. Like, it could have been anything. It could have been excitement. Like, we okay? Let's go. And, and you know what I mean? It could have been anything. And, For sure, yeah. And, and them running into the locker room, the first thing that the reporter said was Travis Kelsey hugged Andy Reid. They come out and win the Super Bowl. So, yep. you know, we can only assume as, you know, spectators and, and looking outside in at what's really going on. You know, Patrick Mahomes, if you see him walking up and down the, the sideline yelling at his guys, but you don't know what he's yelling, you just think he's yelling. But what if he's encouraging? Yep. You know what I mean? If if if, if you see uh, the old lineman yelling at Pacheco, you just assume, oh, he's yelling at him about the fumble. But he could be really saying, hey, 
You got this. You're going you gonna to score the game winning touchdown for us. Hold on to the ball. We know. We got you. We know who you It's anything. And we can only assume if you don't have audio, if you don't really see it. So I just think it was overboard, man. You know, to me, it was all good. It, it was good once I heard Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey hugged at halftime. That you know that that was the end of it, and 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 we saw what that did. Just that simple hug and getting on the same page, making those adjustments at halftime. Yeah, and you know what's interesting though for me, I will say that um, they there is audio, you know, and the audio could have been released. Some producer has heard it because they were both mic'd up, so some producer did hear the audio and decided not to release it. So. I don't know. Maybe they're trying to protect them, but you know, you're saying it might have been something positive. I, if if it was positive, they probably would have released the audio. But yeah, I agree that it's probably not as bad as people want to make a story out of it. Like you know, people want to make a big story out of it because two big names. But I agree that's not as big of a story. Now, what is a big story for us Jets fans? Nicole Hardman, of course, scores the game-winning touchdown because it couldn't have happened this season that's been kicking the Jets and their fans in the nuts the entire season. Couldn't have ended, ended any way. Then McCole Hardman, the guy who couldn't find his way on the field with the Jets, catching the game-winning touchdown. And he had the biggest play of the game, that big deep pass, right? That deep ball where you saw um, you saw uh, Blake Lively in the suite going no effing way after that throw, right? So that crazy throw, and then he wins the game-winning touchdown pass. Of course it was McCole Hardman because we had to put a bow on this just gut punch season just over and over again taking it as a Jets fan so what do you think about that just typical huh man the New York Jets should have found a way to get that man on the field you and think I, they should have found a way like that's that's a part of being a creative offensive guy Andy Reid knows well McCall you're not our number one guy but we'll find a way to Utilize your attributes. We know you're a deep threat, which the Jets could have used a deep threat to open up the run for Brees Hall. We know you're a guy. And open guy. the underneath stuff for, for Garrett. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and we know we can use you in the short motions. Why we use you in short motions? Because they think jet sweep coming. And when they think jet sweeps are coming, they usually bump their defense to the side that they think you're coming. And then boom, you stop and go back the other way. And now you're wide open in the flats. Those are the things that I think the the New York Jets lacked when you're talking about using McCole Hartman. And I told you, when these guys evaluate these players and they bring in these free agents, they're watching film. So how can you watch film on McCole Hartman, see his success in Kansas City, and not bring him over and say, okay, find a way to bring eight plays to the to the board for him? five, I don't know, find a way to get him the ball four or five times a game because he's explosive. We saw the only big play that Kansas City had was the deep ball to McColl, really. Everything else was just nickel and dimes, nickel and dimes, and he yep. had the most explosive play in two of the biggest plays in that game. If, yeah, if, I mean, if one he, was right before the fumble, but yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, but it's, it's, it's just one of those things where you just have to find you. You have to find a a guy that can put the players in the best position to win. That's what you are supposed to do as a coordinator. It's not about my offense. It's how I can fit my how I can fit my players into my offense. It's not just oh, it's my way or highway. It's like man, 
I can find a way to get you the ball. And Rami, listen, I coached this thing at fifth and sixth grade level. Now getting a chance to coach it at the high school level. I'm thinking like that at fifth and sixth grade. How how do I find a way? I knew going into it, our O-line wasn't the biggest. I said, well, we're not going to be a downhill team. We have to be speed option. We have to be toss sweeps, jet sweeps. We have to go spread, get our ball players the the, the ball in space. That's going to be that's going to be the the success of our. That's the same thing. It's, it it doesn't change. Now going up to each level, you can do more with guys like you. Give me McCole Hartman, Rami, and watch what I do with him. I, I I find a way to get him the ball just like Kansas City did. Yeah, maybe you should be the offensive coordinator. It sounds like you'd do a better job than Nate Hackett. All right. I need to send him my resume. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about some of the more Jets-related topics that came out from this past week. There's a bunch, always negative. But I do have one positive thing at the end. So we'll get to that and a whole lot more coming up next on In-Flight Snacks. Stay tuned. All right, coming back now, the Jets, of course, in typical Jet fashion, right as McCole Hardman is scoring that game-winning touchdown, they put out this whole thing like, breaking news, huge news. This is the biggest thing that's ever happening. The Jets, it's a new season now, and they have a new uniform. Whoop the freaking do. Like, you just, your player who you had, who you cut and got rid of, couldn't find a way to use him in the most pathetic season you've ever had, and there's articles and rumors swirling about you, Woody Johnson is putting out, wow, we're putting out these new uniforms. Like, maybe wait a week or something. Like, you had to do it the moment, the moment that Nicole Hardman caught that pass. Like, how pathetic and unaware is this franchise? Honestly, I like the new uniforms. This is not an indictment on the new uniforms. I love the new uniforms. I like that. I hate the ones that you guys wore at the end. Like, I wish you never had to wear that one. And the, and look, the fun part is that Rodgers will never, ever in a regular season game ever end up wearing that nasty uniform. He's going to, he only ever wore that, the cool one, right? So, yeah. He, yeah. But God, I mean, honestly, it's not it's against just, the uniforms. Uh, I like the uniforms. It, you know, there's never a right time for anything with the, with the season that the New York Jets had, you know, unless you get, a good free agent signing, you do good in the draft, and then it's there's oh, a lot they need to do. again, you know. But you know, I, I think it's it's just uh, Woody, you know, being Woody. He's he's a funny dude, and uh, I don't funny think I don't, nice I don't think I don't honestly honestly I don't even think Woody put two and two together that that was McCole Harmon, like the guy that we had. Yeah, over well, here. he's the most unaware okay. dude, like. What yeah, I don't. I don't, think, I don't think. I don't think. I don't think he. I don't think. I don't think. Listen, most owners aren't aware. You know, they, they they aren't. I mean, they. That's why they pay other guys to manage the organization. Yeah, you know. But then you have him giving interviews at the NFL Honors, talking about how we need a backup quarterback. We need a backup quarterback, Woody Johnson. Like we need it. That, we need. That's what he, we need. That's it. What he, yeah, yeah. That's what he said. He said we need a backup quarterback going into next year. Like putting the blame on other people. Like, dude, everyone knows. So who? Okay, who wanted the quarterback to play? Now is really the question because. The wide the, the the head coach didn't, the GM didn't, and now the owner's blaming everyone else. We needed a real backup quarterback. So who was it? And I think the owner just puts the blame on everyone but himself. When what's the one constant that's been here for the last 20 years? Hey. 
Listen, it's been I the owner. You. There's been different I, head coaches. I, I they they change the uniforms, change the stadium, change the players, change the GM, change the everything turf. about the organization, change the turf. Jeez. Yeah, I think the ice that they, uh, you know, they're having the hockey game at MetLife Stadium this weekend. I think the ice is going to be better than the turf they play on at MetLife Stadium. Yeah, but probably. like every single thing that happens and the one constant is this freaking owner, Woody Johnson, meddling and sticking his head in things that he shouldn't be there. And again, he's talking about how it's do or die now for for the off for the head coach. It's do or die for the GM. First of all, what do you, uh, we talked about this? Robert Sala couldn't handle the pressure, right? He was so paranoid he couldn't handle the pressure of not having job security. So all of a sudden, you're going to put a target on his back that if they don't get it done this year, he's out of a job. And now that's going to work out well for him. But he's out of a job. Like if he doesn't, he better be out of a job. To- no, but, but when you say out of a job, and when he when he says out of a job, is that a hey? If you don't win, if you go zero and six the first six weeks, then you get fired, or is it like we're gonna go through he a left whole it open-ended. entire season? You know, so I don't I don't know, but you know, Woody Woody's funny though, man. You gotta meet him. If you meet him, you probably be like you know what Woody that was a great post. He's cool, but <laughs> but listen, they they need to win some football games. Hey, make the intro. I don't, I don't know. Go make the intro, and I'll I'll see if I change my tune on him. Yeah, I'm still gonna I, give I my honest opinion. Yeah, about your season tickets and everything, right? Yeah, you don't let him wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'll let and him now know. you know I'll it's about to go up because they had to get new jersey. So you know, yeah, exactly. They're gonna, they're gonna add three dollars to your tickets. A hundred percent. Yeah, they should send me a jersey yeah. in the mail for it. Jeez. <laughs> Um, the one positive I will say, and this is something that we've talked about and I've talked about it a lot. So when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, you talk about the receivers, you talk about the offensive line, how bad it was. And the Jets are going to make improvements. That's going to be next episode. We're going to do a full episode talking about what the Jets need to do their offseason and their outlook. And we'll do that next week. But for now, the Jets have Aaron Rodgers. And if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, and Aaron Rodgers has a chip on his shoulder. We saw what a great quarterback can overcome. We saw what Patrick Mahomes did. Most penalized offensive line in the league. It wasn't the Jets. It was the Chiefs. And their tackles both suck. Their interior linemen were good, but their, but their outside linemen were awful. They had no receivers. No one. Kadarius Toney was like their best receiver. Rasheed Rice, a rookie receiver. Those were their receivers this year. To think that with that team, they still... And they had a great defense, sure. But to think that with that team, they were able to go on and win a Super Bowl because of how special Patrick Mahomes is, it makes you think two things. One, can anyone compete with Mahomes or is he just going to win for the next bunch of years and it doesn't even matter? But the alternative and the positive side is when you have Aaron Rodgers, when it's right, it doesn't matter. And even the coach, who I complain about the coach more than anyone, Andy Reid never won a damn thing before he had Patrick Mahomes. He was in Philly with those great teams that they didn't win jack. And guess what? He gets with Patrick Mahomes and he has three Super Bowls now. So all these things that we talk about, sometimes it just takes the great quarterback and it does change everything. I don't know if you could speak to that, but if Aaron Rodgers is healthy and has a chip on his shoulder and is mad, I like the Jets' chances next year as good as anyone. Oh, Why are you man. laughing? I, I'm laughing because I'm... I'm, I'm I'm happy you're saying this, man. You know, usually you come and be like, man, same old Jets. So I'm I'm happy to hear Romy come with a positive, uh a, a positive input, man. I I, I but the way it. you're laughing at me makes me think that you don't agree. 
uh, well, because you know, how, how many years have we sat here and really said, "Well, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl"? I just want to see it, Ben. I I just want to see it. And, and what's it going to take? You I think? Oh, it. drafting. You think drafting another guy who's going to be the quarterback for the next ten years? How many times do we draft the guy? Sam, but, Zach, Mark, every single one of them. None of them are good. Gino. Well, <laughs> well Gino's doing a good job. Well, listen, I, I, don't I will see say his this though. Ring. I, I will say this though, um, honestly, and you know you can't say Super Bowl anything without saying franchise quarterback. And we do have Aaron Rodgers, and we do have a good defense. You you, you do have a, a few pieces on the offensive line that you need to fix. But like you said, man, at the end of the day, like Patrick Mahomes had to deal with all those negative things, and he still found a way to win. Like it's all about being a winner. And not only that, Patrick Mahomes. I think is a different quarterback if he goes to another team. Like he needs Andy Reid just like Andy Reid needs him. Let's be honest. We saw Tom Brady. We, he did go out and win, win, win the Super Bowl without uh, Bill Belichick. Yes, but but a coach can only do so much, and a player can only do so much. And shout out Spags' defense, by the way. Oh my god. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and is this you know? It, there's a lot of factors that go on in it in their organization that you just need to continue to have guys that want to win and not guys that just want to play the game. Like Kansas city, man, those guys are led by Travis Kelsey. They're led by Patrick Mahomes and, you know, Andy Reed and all those pieces. Do you know who their offensive, do you know who their offensive coordinator is Kansas city? No, I don't. Exactly. It's Matt Eberflus, yeah. who was a terrible head coach in Chicago. So yeah, that's Andy's thing. calling it. Rodgers is going to call it, baby. Yeah, Rodgers is, but come on, man. I, I just... You know what? So how about this? Next episode, that's what we're going to do. We're going to get into this. What do the Jets need to do around Aaron Rodgers? Today's a big day, actually, because they need to decide, make decisions on Quentin Jefferson, Carl Lawson, what they're going to do with those contracts if they can free up space to go out and do stuff in free agency. So we'll hit on all that stuff. We'll talk about it next week. Um, we'll talk about what the Jets can do to improve this team because they have Rodgers... And they have a one window, one year window right now. Go all in for Rodgers. That's what I'm telling you. You think rebuilding and trying to do it again? They failed at the rebuild so many times. They have to go all in for next year for 2024. Then, that's why they need a backup quarterback. That's why Woody I, mentioned it. Just I in case something happens, just in case something happens, we have a quarterback that can help us win. I have an interesting idea about it. that, by the way. But I'll save it for next episode. I have an idea. Another guy who could be maybe the quarterback for a year or two behind Rodgers and then be the quarterback long-term. I don't know. Well, we'll get into it next episode and a whole lot more. Um, until then, I really just got to run to the bathroom. So that's, that's why we're cutting this where we are, but um, <laughs> all right. Um, I'm glad we caught up. I'm glad you enjoyed Vegas and I can't wait. We'll do more of these in the off season. We'll have some guests on during the off season. So stay tuned guys. This is podcast. We're going to keep rocking. We're going to keep rolling, keep moving throughout the off season. And until next time, I'll see you, man. All right. All right, man. Let's go to eat a damn snack. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.